so this morning I kind of feel like a bit, as I was preparing, uh, I feel like this is a bit of a, I guess, a, a preparation message, uh, preparing us, you know, in some small way for what, you know, what's, um, you know, what's coming in the, in the season ahead. Uh, I really believe there's something, you know, being released in the spirit uh, over us. I want to prepare our hearts this morning, um, you know, not just for now, but for tomorrow. You know, I want you to prepare your hearts for, you know, not just now and what I'm going to say now, but for tomorrow uh, and for the next day and for the next day and for what's, you know, really coming. And I want you to be ready to receive and respond. Uh, again, not just from me this morning, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day and in what, you know, God is really wanting to do. Because I really believe God's building a people. Uh, he, you know, this is the, one of the call, you know, the call over this place is to build and uh, other places might have different calls, that's fine. But for us, um, it's to build. So I want to talk about the type of believer God is wanting to raise in the house this morning. You know, what God is wanting to do in this house. You know, the type of believer, the type of Christian that God is wanting to build uh, in this place. And, um, and uh, what God is wanting to do here. Amen. So this is no ordinary church. Uh, and we've heard this before, uh, you know, we're almost the church unusual. And we've heard that a lot. And, uh, you know, our name is City Builders Church. And our core values are to reach out. What's the next one? Reconnect. What's the next one? Restore. And the next one? Rebuild. So that's the, they're the core values of this place. There's so much more around that. But... Um, but they're some of our core values, to reach out, to reconnect, to rebuild and to restore. So the call is not just to reach people and connect, although that is good and that is part of it, but it's not just to reach people. It's not even, if I can say this, just to connect them to Jesus uh, or a like-minded group of people. Uh, there's, there's so much more, I reckon. God is wanting to build his people. And, uh, and, and uh, if I can word it this way, I guess, uh, create a believer that is just exceptional. Not perfect, not perfect, but exceptional. So the true church and the call on this house uh, is so much more than just reaching out, although that is very much part of it and very important. You know, it says in the word, on this rock, I will build my church. And we know this, you know, that word church means ecclesia. So we're called to build and restore and to speak into cities, regions, and maybe even nations. Arrogant? No. Confident? Yes. Because I believe in the call of God on this house. And, uh, and what's happening. And I've been here, I think, long enough to begin to see, you know, what God is doing and what God is, uh, you know, wanting to do. And one of the things is He's building His people. He's preparing His people for such a time as this. And I want to talk about that people this morning, if that's all right. Is that okay? So like I said, God's wanting to build you. God is wanting to restore us. I've got to stop saying you. I'm going to say us because I'm in this just as much as you. So God's wanting to build us. You know, so I know for me, you know, I believe God called me here. I, I just know that. I know that I know that. Uh, and it was like, you know, God was trying to get his finger on me for a long time. But he wasn't having a great amount of luck. And it wasn't till I stopped and I allowed God, you know, to... Uh, um, to find me, like I said there in worship, that he could begin to make me. I want to say this this morning, you know, because I, I just, when I worked out where God wanted me, that's where the, and I, and I stuck to that, and I committed to that, that's where the transformation began to happen. Uh, so, you know, and I'd been, you know, running, uh, I guess, or for me, it was running for a long time. And I grew up in church, you know, so I was just running from God. I knew God was there. I, I, I had, I guess, some type of relationship with him. Um, 
Um, you know, it was, it was deep enough in me that it definitely brought me back to him, but there was a bit of a running. I wasn't prepared to fully let him uh, have his way in me. But when I did, that's when the transformation began to happen. And I just know for me, it was just so linked to uh, where I believe God had called me. And, uh, and when I first came here, I thought it was for one year. That was, you know, what I thought. I'll be here for one year and I'll go back to Melbourne. And now it's 24 years. Again, okay, thank God. Thank God. So, you know, what does this type of, I guess we'll call it, uh, if there's a title to my message, I, ha- I couldn't work it out. And I, so I've got a few. Um, so it was, you know, the finishing generation or breakthrough believers or, you know, something like that. But I'm talking this morning about the type of believer that God is, I think God is building in this place. So what does this type of um, believer or finishing generation believer look like? So first of all, the, uh, this, this believer is not from an elite company, but it's a believer who is extraordinary. Okay, so they're prepared to go on a process. They're not perfect. They haven't come from some, you know, elite place or anything like that. There are people that are prepared to go on the process, and there are people that are prepared to allow God to make them. Um, So they move from being just a believer to moving to be a member, to, to allowing God to do more and move into that place of discipleship. And then they've moved from that place of discipleship to becoming a minister and then even a son and a true son of God and a true son of the house. So, um, you know, Jesus called fishermen and there was others, but he didn't call the elite. You know, he called fishermen. Moses couldn't speak. You know, Gideon was scared. He needed proof. Uh, David was just a shepherd. You know, so... Um, But if there's something about these guys, there was a preparation that God did in them and they allowed God to do through them that brought them to this place where they, uh, not from an elite place, but they became something. So what qualifies you is not your looks. It's not your talents. It's not your skill. It's our heart. What qualifies me is my heart. What qualifies you is your heart. Secondly, the, uh, this generation of believers, they're distinguished among others because they carry a spirit of excellence. And I know, you know, for some of our young guys in discipleship, what's the spirit of excellence? Um, yeah, I'm asking you. What do you think the spirit of excellence is? Yep. Dreams, visions, prophecy. What else? Talk up, mate. Interpretation of dreams. So sometimes we think about um, the spirit of excellence and we, and we think uh, about skill and we think about presentation and we think about uh, you know, that type of stuff. And that is important. And maybe there, there's part of that there. But I reckon um, anyone can do that. Anyone can get skilled at playing guitar if they practice enough. Anyone can, you know, do that sort of thing. But it's more than that. The spirit of excellence is more than that. And in Daniel 5, and these guys touched on it, um, verse 10 to 12, you know, it talks about Daniel and what this spirit of excellence is. It says, "The, The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch As an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles and explaining enigmas were found in Daniel. That's the spirit of excellence. And uh, and the Amplified says, It was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, the ability to interpret dreams, clarify riddles and solve complex problems were found in Daniel. 
That's why he was called. That's an excellent spirit. So uh, this generation, they're distinguished among others because they carry a spirit of excellence. And thirdly, this generation has a sound mind that allows them to view all things victoriously. And, uh, you know, we move, we act, we live, we fight from a place of victory. Yep, not, uh, uh, not for victory, but from a place of victory. Pastor uh, Shea talks about that. You know, when we pray, when we come, when we do things, we come from a place of victory. Because victory's been won, amen? Not uh, for victory, but from a place of victory. So, uh, you know, in Ephesians 4.8, it says, He led captivity captive. So that's a pretty awesome scripture, amen? So we can live victorious because He led captivity captive, amen? So uh, these, this people, this believer, they think like a victor, not a victim. They don't have a victim mentality. They think from a place of victory. They get up in the morning and it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But they know how big their God is compared to everything else. So they think like a victor, not a victim. They're pleasant to be around. Some people aren't pleasant to be around. But these people are pleasant to be around. There's something about them. There's an aroma. There's an energy. There's a hope. There's victory. There's something on them. It's not, you know, um, it's not fake. It's not anything like that. It's something that is truly on the inside of them. That they know that they know that they know who their God is. They're buoyant. Their spirit carries hope and joy and courage. They know all things will be well in God. Because all things work together for good for those that love Him. They think from a place of victory, not defeat. It's not hyper faith. It's a knowing. These believers have learned to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and put to death the deeds of the flesh. You know, this is what uh, this, this group of believers, this, what God is wanting to build looks like. Is that all right? Is that all right? Does that make sense? Yep, you're with me this morning. So I've got a few more points here and uh, we'll see how we go. It's gone really quickly so far. But here's some character traits of this generation. So what I just spoke about there, I guess, was you know, what, the, what this believer looks like. But here's some character traits. So first of all, the first point is they carry. Simple. They carry. But they do carry some things. And if you remember back to January, you'll remember what these three points are because Pastor Brian spoke about it. But my first point this morning is they carry. So we're not just natural human beings. So Jesus Christ lives in you. Jesus Christ lives in me. That's supernatural. We're not just natural beings. The risen one, the Lord of lords, the King of glory, you know, the one that died on the cross and rose again, lives on the inside of you. You are not just a natural being. So, you know, we carry something special. We carry something supernatural. So David carried something. He carried something. Let's read 1 Samuel, hey? Uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. So he's got all these skills and talents. He's handsome, even. But the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. So he carried something. Maybe it helps if you were a bit good looking. I don't know. <laughs> but the Lord is with him. The Lord was with him. He carried something. You know, and it goes on to say that every time he, you know, picked up his instrument and he played, that, that tormenting spirit left Saul. So he carried something. 
you know, not just anyone can do that. You've got to carry something. And he had uh, the, the Lord was with him. God was with him. Daniel carried something. You know, the, these ones in the word, they carried something. There was something about them that they, that they carried into wherever they went. So we've got to carry, amen? So what is it that we need to carry? Because you're getting sick of me saying the words carry. What is it that we need to carry? First of all, I reckon we need to carry courage. So when courage goes missing, we get pushed back. We get pushed to the background. Uh, this is not what God wants. Uh, courage advances. There's energy in it. Courage does not shrink back. Uh, courage moves us forward. It keeps going. If, even if I'm going through something, courage will make, help me take that next step. It'll keep moving forward. Amen. So when courage goes missing, we can get pushed back. So courage equals, or that sort of courage, the, the dictionary definition of courage is the choice to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation to advance a cause. That's courage. And I know for me, I need a bit more courage. I need to carry more courage. Amen? So we can't touch a city or change a region if we don't carry courage. And it's, it's not just a natural courage, all right? Some people have just got no fear. They'll jump out of a plane with a parachute, hopefully. Uh, that is not me. You would never catch me doing that. In fact, when we were in New Zealand, we went to the, uh, some rainforest thing and we went on this high bridge walk between the trees. I don't, apparently, it wasn't that high. I was like, and the boys... You know, being boys, we're like, woo, woo, jumping and shaking it. So I don't have courage in those instances. I am not, maybe in my, in my younger years, I would have thought I had, you know, that, that sort of boyish courage or something that just would jump off a mountain or something. Uh, but I, don't, I won't do that. You will not catch me bungee jumping. But that's natural courage. But there's, there's got to be a courage that comes from above. You know, this, this courage that comes from above, that, that comes on the inside of you, that is the courage we need to carry. It's not a stupid courage, or maybe stupid's not the right word, but it's not a, you know, just let's, hey, let's get on a skateboard and roll down a really steep hill with no head, head gear or pads on. Let's just do it, you know, and uh, like John did once, I think, or Anita or someone like that. So uh, it, it's not that, although that is cool and a little bit inspiring, but it's a courage that comes from above. It's a heavenly courage. Amen. So the disciples uh, in Acts, they prayed for it. Uh, Acts 4.27, you can look it up uh, you know, later, but they said, God, give us boldness. God, give us courage that we may speak your word, that we may preach. You know, the, um, the threat of the culture is for you to stay silent, for me to stay silent. Uh, that is not the way God has called us to be. You know, the, you know keep quiet. Don't say that. That's, that's not right. That's, you know, that's this, that's that. That doesn't appeal to uh, my sensitivities. That doesn't appeal to the culture of the day. We are not called to be cultural. We're called to be countercultural. Not, although we may be offensive, but not deliberately offensive, but we're called to be countercultural. Jesus was offensive. Didn't go out to be offensive, I don't think, but it was what was in him that, uh, that counted the culture of the day. So the disciples prayed for this. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. Courage going missing is a problem. People, you know, I can prefer comfort when it's nice, when there's no... I prefer comfort. <laughs> but we need to carry courage. We need to be prepared to move out from our comfort zones. And I said this morning, you know, this message, I think, I believe, is a bit of a preparation message for what's coming. I can, I can feel the intensity uh, in the spirit. I can feel the, 
the, uh, the energy and the excitement and the intensity around Pastor Brian and Pastor Lynn and what's happening. So this is preparation. We need to be prepared to move out of our comfort zones. You know, we've got some massive churches in our nations, in our nation that I'm sure are doing some wonderful, great things. But courage has gone missing. Because even in the last few years, with some of the things that have been decided in our nation, one church alone could have stopped it. The amount of people that are in some of those places, maybe courage has gone missing. And when courage goes missing, you get pushed back. So we've got to find courage. We've got to carry courage that comes from above. We've got to live and walk with courage. Trust in the bigness of our God. And trust in the purpose and the grace that God has got on this house. And what God's called you to be. You know, and that's why I love prayer. That's why I'm really encouraging people to begin to get into their prayer group on a Tuesday and Thursday because a, a key or a tip to uh, building courage and building this stuff I'm going to be talking about this morning is to pray and to pray strongly uh, in the Holy Ghost and to get around, you know, uh, um, each other and, and pray together and encourage each other and speak into each other's lives and pray and pray and seek God. You know, God, if God can't find you, He can't build you. So God's got to be able to find us, amen? So, you know, the, a couple of times a week to, you know, to get down and, and get into the presence of God and pray is vital. Should be doing it daily. The Bible is full of courage. David, Gideon, Moses, Esther, Ruth, Mary. Man, the courage on that woman. The disciples, every one of them, they were so attractive to God. So courage can be a little polarizing sometimes on people. But to God, it is so attractive. You know, David's brothers got a little upset at his courage. He turned up to the battle. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, get back, get back. Who do you think you are? So there's something on David. He's like, Let me, what's going on here? This, this guy is defiling the armies of God. There was a courage on him. You know, even King Saul acknowledged the courage, uh, but tried to mold David to the norm or to the culture by, you know, putting that, that armor that just didn't fit, didn't work there. But David was so attractive to God. He was a man after God's own heart. He had courage, had courage. I'd love to just be a, there was no walls there, I guess, but a fly somewhere in, in that vicinity. A fly on the armor of, uh, of the shield of someone. To see the, you know, not the battle, but just David's response. Was there nervousness there? Was there a bit of, you know, was it just a, something that come from above that God had prepared in him in the field that just went, no, you are defiling the armies of God. You're defiling my God. How dare you speak about my God and the armies of God like that? I'd love to have been there to see, you know, those, that dynamic. But David and these ones in the word, they were so attractive. They were so attractive to God because of the courage and the trust and the faith they had in him and the courage they had for him. Our courage must come from above. Secondly, this is, they carry. So they carry courage. Uh, they also carry conviction. So conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. But the Bible also talks about conviction. And if you look in uh, Romans 8... It's awesome. So the definition of conviction out of Romans 8 is the inner working of your spirit and your conscience that causes you to live by the law of the spirit. That's conviction. And if you read Romans 8, I'd love to read the whole thing, but we may not have time. But, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, 
but they walk according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law couldn't do because it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's conviction. And that goes on. Get into Romans 8. It's so good. But that is conviction. We choose to walk according to the Spirit of life, not the Spirit of death. Conviction is built on the inside. You know if someone's been genuinely saved. You know if someone is genuinely following Jesus because there's conviction. Conviction's been built on the inside. They live by conviction. It affects the way they speak. It tidies up their sin life. It, 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 uh, it cleans up our hearts. More than obedience, we need conviction. This is the way I look at it. Obedience can be like a mental decision. But the heart doesn't necessarily change. Whereas conviction is you're led by something. You're led by the spirit of life. So obedience without conviction is just following orders. That is not the people we want to raise here. Although we are building an army and we want people that have yes in their heart. But not that do it out of obedience, but do it out of conviction. They do it out of what has been built on the inside of them that they just know it's right because I live by the law of the spirit of life and that is telling me yes. Amen. So uh, obedience without conviction is just following orders. And I've written this and I hope I don't offend anyone, but this is where immature Christians can fall into trouble. You know, why do we see those once saved on fire Uh, even maybe fall away. Maybe conviction was never really built on the inside and something else was built on the inside. They're obedient. uh, They're obedient till it doesn't suit them. Then they get offended. We're going to watch that. So this is where the, the fathering dimension, particularly, naturally and spiritually is vital. Because fathering builds conviction. In fact, my wife's pretty darn good at it as well. No, well, just building conviction. (laughs) So when courage goes out the door, we also see a lack of conviction. But we need a conviction again that comes from above. It's not a natural thing. I won't do this because it's bad for me. No, I won't do this because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. And my word says this. Yep, it's not bad for me, so that's a bonus. But uh, does that make sense? It's got to be conviction. It's got to be courage that comes from above. And they also carry this, this, uh, this uh, believer, this uh, finishing generation, they also carry the fire of the Holy Ghost. So Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to, uh, to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uh, end of the earth. Acts 1.8, love that scripture. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This brings it all together. Courage, conviction, Holy Ghost power. Amen. So uh, the disciples carried something. You know, this was evident every time they encountered another life. You knew they carried something. Acts 3.6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. There was courage there. There was a courage to speak out and go, well, I don't have any change but let's test this. You know, what I do have, I'm going to give you. So there was, a, there was courage to speak. You know, there was a conviction that God was going to come through for them. And there was the power of the Holy Ghost. 
So they carried something. So the first one is we carry. We carry courage. We carry conviction. And we carry the power of the Holy Spirit. John could probably almost preach this for me. I think he's heard this a couple of times now. It's something, he's already got his notes. That's why he's not taking notes. This is a different version, I promise you that. But it's just something that's been stirring on my heart for, for weeks and weeks. And I spoke a, a, a bit of a version of it at Kingsway and then last week at, at, um, at Pastor Simon's church. But just really just been burning on my heart uh, this, this whole you know, message. So I just wanted to bring it again this morning. But it's even different this morning. So number one, they carry. Number two, there is an activation. There's a go mentality in these, Christ, in these believers, in these breakthrough believers, in this finishing generation, whatever you want to call it, the remnant, I don't care, but in this generation, in this set of believers, there's an activation and there's a go mentality. So Matthew 28, 19, we know this well. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go. So our core values are to reach out. There's going in that. You cannot reach out if you don't go. Reconnect. You cannot reconnect if you don't go, if there's no activation. Rebuild and restore. So there's a go mentality. There's an activation. There's an active nature. So where are you called to build? You don't have to answer me, but this is just a question you can answer in your own heart. Where do you believe God has called you to build? Wherever that is, that's your place. That's your place. So I know for me, uh, I will more than likely be buried here unless God has other plans because I just know where God called me. So where you're called, you build. That's your place. And in that place, there's the hurt, the lost, there's dev the devastated, the, the ones that just need God filled in our city. So where you're called is your harvest field. And it's ripe and it's ready for harvest now. So there's a, in this company of people, there's a go. There's an active spirit. There's a, there's a mentality of moving forward, of, of, of going, of reaching another life. The challenge is it can be difficult without God to reach this generation. And I really believe, you know, if I can say this in, you know, particularly, I guess, my generation, this is something uh, that we, you know, I really believe God is doing in us is to, um, is to reach this next generation. And it can't be just done naturally. Again, it comes from above. So it's difficult without God to reach this generation because they're a different generation. They've been mesmerized by secularism and humanism and, and, uh, and all that sort of thing. Read Romans 1. Pastor Brian spoke about this as well, about you know, how so many have been given over to delusion. <clears throat> and I know, you know lately when I'm reading my Bible, it is so much more timely now than it was maybe a few years ago when you read some stuff and you went, oh yeah, that's interesting. And all of a sudden you're reading, I'm reading now and I'm going, oh wow, that's really, really interesting uh, because of the times we're in and how accurate you know, the word is for now. So this needs to be our life's call, our passion to see a city come and a region change, to carry courage, conviction and the power of the Holy Ghost you know, into every sphere of influence that we may have. When you don't know what to do, it's really simple. You go, because that's the word. Go, make disciples. If God hasn't spoken to you and said, you, this is the call on your life, uh, then the call this morning is to go. Amen, we don't sit and wait. You know, this, this, you just get up there and you give it a crack. And you go for it and you, you get out there and you do what you're good at. Is that all right? So there's an activation. There's a go mentality in these ones. 
When you don't know what to do, when you're unsure of the call, there is no excuse. Paul said to Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. Matthew 28 says, go, make disciples. It doesn't say go, get people saved, although that is part of it. It doesn't say go, bring them into a lovely community group, although maybe that is part of it. But it says go, make disciples. Go, make disciples of all nations. Yep, there's so much more. We've got to build and restore and, and God wants to build in these people's lives. Number three, there is release in every encounter. You know, in, in people like this, there's a release in every encounter. So we need to release Jesus to a generation. You know, release Jesus to a city. Amen? So there must be a release of what God has freely given you. Uh, it's Christ in me, the hope. Well, there's no hope if I don't release. I just have Christ in me. And maybe you'd get bored of that. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? But there's got to be a release. There's got to be a release. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So if there, there's no hope if we keep him locked up. There's no hope for our city, for our friends, for our family if I keep Christ and all the power of him locked up on the inside of me. Amy Grant sang that song, Fat Baby. Remember that? No? Anyway. The concept of the song was this, that you're just forever feeding on the Word of God and never releasing it. You just become a fat baby. <laughs> I liked Amy Grant. <laughs> she was good. So we don't want to become like that. We don't want Christ locked up on the inside of us. There's got to be a release. There's got to be in every encounter. You know, I, I watch Pastor Brian and even Pastor Lynn. I watch them and in every encounter there's like this release of something we've got to carry. We've got to carry this stuff. So Acts 3.6, I read this just before. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's a release. So, and, it, and it goes on to say, so in that part there, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. So there's a release happening. There's something happening there. And it goes on to say, verse 8, and he took him by the hand, by the right hand, and lifted him up. So there's action. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So there's got to be a release in every encounter a release in every encounter so we read this this morning in the prayer meeting Isaiah 61 for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me we know that scripture we know that scripture well this is the good news of salvation and if you're truly saved, then this is the potential that you carry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach to, and to do all these things. Let's turn there. What was it? Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to com comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And it keeps going on. 
So if you are truly saved, then this is the potential of what we carry. We are called to release good tidings. But if you're a sourpuss, or, you know, it's going to be really hard. People know people aren't dumb. You know, I always used to say, these kids aren't dumb. They know when you're putting it on. When I used to work in the school years ago, they know. They're not stupid. People aren't stupid. But if there's something that we can carry, imagine, you know, Jesus or, you know, even one of the disciples, the stories we hear about in the Word where, you know, Jesus just came up to someone and, and just in, before maybe even shaking their hands or whatever, just looking at them, the person that Jesus was meeting would know there was something different about this one. We can carry that. So we can carry good tidings. We're called to release good tidings. Release and carry healing, liberty, freedom, the prophetic word. You know, we're called to carry and release. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you and you activate the anointing by going. There's got to be an activation. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon you when you activate the anointing by going, by grabbing a bit of courage, by, by grabbing you know, the conviction that's on the inside and the power of the Holy Ghost, and we go, and we step into someone else's world, or we shake someone's hand, or we offer to pray, or we do something, but there's an activation and there's a going, and when that happens, the anointing follows. Amen? By releasing. Hebrews 11 and Romans 10, verse 16. You can read that later. But this is about faith. Faith releases the promise. And I know I've probably taken a slight segue here, but it does match up. Faith releases the promise of healing, the promise of salvation, the promise of restoration, the prophetic word, liberty. Faith releases this. Faith is produced by hearing the Word of God. But if you don't go, if there's no activation of faith, faith can never fulfill its purpose. So there's got to be a go. There's got to be the faith that comes on the inside. And if there's no activation, if there's no go, then faith can't fulfill its purpose. Humanism shuts down faith. It's even infiltrated the church to a degree. You know, we negotiate with the power and the supernatural everything of God. You know, we negotiate with it because of where we're at. Because it suits our comfort levels. Humanism, this is what it means. It's a rationalist outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Go back to Romans 8. Do you live according to the law of the Spirit or do we live according to a different law? So humanism, it shuts down faith. It shuts down God. It, it shuts down, uh, it short circuits the divine. It, it, uh, it, um, the supernatural doesn't even get a look in. There is a church in, no, I won't say that. It's all right, all good. I had written notes, but I meant to take that out. Three, there is a release. We're on three. We're already on three. There is a release in every encounter. Is this all right this morning? Number four, my last point. They're this group of people, these believers, this finishing generation, their followership is passionate. So I want to make this clear that ultimately Jesus is our Lord. He is King. We are His sons and daughters. Yep. But it also pays to follow God's man or woman on the ground. And I like this statement by someone. It said, follow someone like you follow Jesus. I love that. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 
So imitate uh, actually means to take or follow as a model. So not just copying someone. We're taking and we're following as a model. You know, we've become so prickly and worried in this area sometimes. Not here, not us, never. Elsewhere. That was a joke. You with me? still with me this morning? <laughs> Good. We can get so prickly when we start talking about followership. But it should be really simple. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. They said yes. Done. Could have said no. Done. It's not tricky. Personally, I don't think they knew what they were getting into when they said yes. And I know that for a fact because when I said yes, I did not know what I was getting into. In fact, it was prophesied over me that the, the, in Melbourne, this guy prophesied over me that he saw open heaven and he said he saw all these different things, but God wasn't releasing him to tell me because if he did, I wouldn't go. And you would think that in itself would be warning bells. <laughs> but I don't know, in the, in, the, in the moment, I said yes. But it's not tricky. When you say yes, God can move and heaven can act. Mary said yes. Let it be done to me according to your will. The, one of the, my, my favorite parts of scripture is that because I just think, wow. Let it be done to me according to your will. You know, Heidi said in worship this morning, you know, Mary's response ushered in a 500-year-old prophecy. Some people are laughing. Is my fly down? No, good. It's all right. I, it's all right. I saw someone laughing over there before and I was like, oh, geez, what's going on? Something's not right. All good. Say yes. You know, Mary's response ushered in something. You know, it ushered in something, her response. It's all right. Say yes. You know, Jonah's response may have frustrated the purpose of God a little because he was running. You know, he's running from God. Eventually, God got him. I think it's easier just to go, yes, and, uh, and move on than fight. Wow. You know, like I said before, you know, we don't want, um, you know, we don't want yes men or yes women in this church to just do whatever it is that you ask them to do. Obedience is really good, but it's got to come with conviction. Both of them have got to mix together. But if it's just obedience, that's where we can get in trouble because one day it won't suit us and we get upset. And then if we don't deal with that, that's where all the problems begin. But we need to be a people that have a heart that say yes, that, that's just so trust in God. This, this I know, I, I am definitely not perfect, but I so trust in the word God gave me about where God called me that I'm, I'm happy. And I, to the best of my ability, I, I run with that, trusting without too many questions. But that's me. But our, our heart needs to be one of just so, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I trust in your word. Yes, I trust in your call. Yes, Lord, if this is where you called me, then I will follow. Let's do this together. Let's stand together. Yes deals with every limiting factor. Pastor Brian spoke on this not long ago. You know, what is a limiting factor? It's basically but. But I can't. But this. But that. Yes deals with limiting factors. And I know we're busy. I know we've got kids. I know we've got sports. I know we've got, um, you know, work and, and all these different things. I get that. Uh, and I'm not saying you drop that. But yes deals with every limiting factor. Amen. When we hear and don't respond, there can be a blockage. 
So the, the, this generation, their heart is one that says yes. And they follow passionately. They follow passionately. They learn to follow exceptionally. So is that all right this morning? So they, they, we carry. We want to carry a courage that comes from above. A conviction that comes from above. The, whole, the power of the Holy Ghost that comes from above. We need to carry you know, that. Grow that in our heart. Grow that in our life. It comes by reading the Word. It comes by praying in tongues strongly. And, and building that on the inside of you. Then we need, uh, what was number two? Go. There's an activation. There's a go mentality. There's, a, there, there's something in them that does not want to sit back. There, there's something in them that just so trusts and believes that, that it, it moves them out of where they're at to reach into another life, regardless of where that life is. And we're going to see them walking through our door Soon. In fact, we're already seeing it from day one. So you've got to be ready. What was number three? Sorry. Ah, oh, there's got to be a release in every encounter. There's got to be a release in every encounter. You know, that, is, that I reckon is a really good one. We carry something in God. Try it this afternoon. Try the next person you connect with, release something. And it doesn't have to be, you know, remember Pastor Simon way, 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 way back in the day and, and uh, you know, he'd shake someone's hand and he'd be like, whoa, Holy Ghost, you know, he was being, he was being silly. Yeah. It's not like that. Don't do that. And if you do that, don't tell them you come to City Builders Church. But there's a release. You know, Joe, I think, you know, when he was going through this whole thing of, um, buying and selling motorbikes or something like that. He just felt on his heart that he want, needed to pray for this guy. In fact, God had given him a bit of a dream or you know, a bit of an inkling or something about the health of this gentleman. So Joe said, do you want me to, can I pray for you? When you know, all he's doing is buying a motorbike off this bloke and the guy's like, no, nah, I don't think so. And uh, Joe said, no probs, can I shake your hand and, or something? And Joe, anyway, got the hand and Joe just started praying. And then he opened his eyes, and if you've got this story right, there was like tears in this guy's eyes. So there's something there that released. Natural, normal, normal, natural Christianity. And the fourth one is we follow passionately. We follow passionately. Have a heart of yes. Is that all right? Let's stand this morning, hey?